I am here. I am not going anywhere. This podcast will continue. And I, as I'm saying all this, it kind of sounds like Leonardo DiCaprio in that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where he's screaming to his coworkers, this business will go on even though the feds are all after them. I don't have any issues with having the feds looking after me. Uh, thank goodness. But I do have a pretty good excuse as to why I was not able to put together a couple podcasts the last couple days. I hope you understand. And again, if your life was depending on a daily UCLA podcast, I apologize. And I hope that I can fulfill your cravings here as the show rolls on. So if you listened last week, I hinted at this opportunity where I was going to get my big break. I was going to call college tennis on ESPN. And so basically the last couple days of last week, I was preparing for it. Then on Sunday, they had the event. And then it actually aired yesterday on Tuesday on ESPNU. It was the Oracle ITA National Fall Championships hosted at Newport Beach Tennis Club. Basically, it was the top 64 best men's and women's tennis players in singles in the country. They also had the doubles event, which was not broadcasted. But how about this? The UCLA women won the doubles portion of the tournament, and I am in no way appalled by that because of just how UCLA's brand is able to extract the best talent in basically any sport known to man. So that's what I was doing. If you were not able to watch the broadcast on Tuesday, it was the men's and women's finals. They, they broke them up into two broadcasts. And you're interested, you can always go to, if you don't have cable, you can go to the Watch ESPN app. And there should be an option there, ITA National Fall Championships, that if you're interested in tennis or you're interested in what I'm doing besides this podcast. But now let's get back to, to business here. And this is Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can find me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. Email the show, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And most importantly, hit that subscribe button because that will help us build our numbers and spread the message, spread the word in what we're trying to do, which is obviously to inform and I think even more importantly to entertain and leave you with something that you didn't know before you listened to the podcast. And what are we going to talk about? Well, we've got a big football game on Saturday, right, against Utah. And so we're going to spend a lot of time undressing that matchup. Also, because we also, and I'm part of the Bruin Insider Show, which I do on Tuesdays, and it's with Nick Cope and former UCLA quarterback Wayne Cook, I'm going to share with you Wayne Cook's thoughts on Utah because as good as they are, We've got to find ways, as UCLA takes them on on Saturday, to try to find some vulnerabilities within the Utah's defense and offense. It's very hard to do on paper, but as Wayne says, games are not played on paper. They're played on football fields. And the expert analysis of Wayne Cook I'm going to share with you as to how he thinks UCLA can find ways around this seemingly immaculate defense and an offense that whatever skill position you're looking at seems to be playing in tip-top fashion. 
But there's a lot on the line for UCLA and their football team in this game on Saturday. For one, UCLA is still in contention to win the South Division of the Pac-12. They are in third place right now, but only a game out of first. Utah holds that top spot, and the fact that those two are going at it means a lot for who is going to, to reign supreme at the end of the regular season. And then if UCLA ends up winning this game, and then they beat USC next week, and then they follow that up with a win at home against Cal, then we're talking about UCLA in the Pac-12 championship. But again, that's all very exciting to talk about. None of it has happened. And the one thing that is for sure is that Chip Kelly does not approve or want to promote that kind of look-ahead thinking. See, he adopts more of this tunnel vision approach. It's very cliche, but it's also a strong instrument to focus his own players. And so that's basically where he says stuff like, we're not looking past this game and we're taking this one game at a time. He goes, we're taking this one play at a time. And then he says, we're just, we just want to have a good Monday at practice and build off of that. And I feel like I have, when he says, we just want to have a good Monday, I feel like I've heard that like over and over again. And I need to make t-shirts about that. But his goal here is not to, he's not trying to minimize the significance of this game, but he also doesn't want to overly hype what is on the line here. I mean, obviously the players are smart. You know, whether they're going to admit to it or not, they know what's at stake here. If you beat Utah, you basically control your destiny to winning the Pacific 12 South Division, okay? I mean, so there's a lot of pressure here. But as a coach, your goal is to get your guys to play, despite the pressure, at their highest abilities. How do you do that? Well, you promote a level-headedness. You try to promote a mentality that's going to allow you to play your best. And that is a mentality that says not to look ahead and to have a tunnel vision approach. I, I, I think it's important that the players adopt what Chip Kelly is saying. And when you hear Josh Woods, a Bruin linebacker, talk about the magnitude of this matchup, he was asked this at practice yesterday, or excuse me, Monday, and Josh Woods was not abated into blowing this game out of proportion and saying, oh, we got to win this game because this sets up this, and there's this domino effect because if we then beat you know, Utah, then that's going to lead us into a matchup with USC and all this stuff. So the, the team, at least from what they've said publicly, have done a very good job of not overestimating or blowing the magnitude out of proportion for this matchup. But again, as, as an outsider, as a fan, you know that these guys are smart enough to see if this happens and then that happens that they could put themselves in the Pac-12 championship. I, I'm going to get to in just a moment what Wayne Cook had to say as far as what he thinks UCLA has to do in order to stop or challenge or hinder Utah. So Chip Kelly, when he was speaking to the media early this week, he was asked about his emphasis 
in practice this week and also how he wants that to roll over into Saturday's game. He talked about being better at controlling the ball, holding on to the ball, and the turnovers, he said, have been a bit alarming. We've got to cut down on those, he said, and that they are even much more important not to have when you're playing a good team. And he said that the turnover battle is going to be huge. And he he, he couldn't even remember the last time that he'd coached a UCLA game without a turnover. And then he talked about execution and saying that, you know, we might have 10 guys doing the right thing on the field, but if one guy makes a boneheaded mistake and they blow an assignment, then everybody looks bad, and all of a sudden you just can't have that or, or tolerate that or expect to win when that happens against a very polished-looking Utah team. And we talk about this Utah team, and they are holding opponents in the ground game to 56 yards per game. That is top in the Pac-12. I mean, and it's not just what they do in stopping the run. It's what Chip Kelly pointed out as what they can do in pass defense as well. And, and, and that was on display in their last game, which was a win against Washington where they got a pick six in the second half that did not put them in the lead because they were trailing by more than a touchdown at that point. But that was basically what ignited the comeback was their defense. We talk a lot about their physicality in the trenches, but they have some underrated players in the secondary who seemingly come out of nowhere and make interceptions and deflections. But what I want to get more into is this offense for Utah. They have been vomiting all over themselves the last couple of years. And it's been the defense, obviously, that has been kind of carrying the baton for this team. In fact, you go back to last year, and the Utes were 11 out of 12 teams in passing efficiency. And they were at the bottom of the conference in passing yards as well. And it's not like they have a bad quarterback. I mean, Tyler Huntley. And, you know, what we've seen from him is this guy's good. But I look at him as a glorified game manager. And I know there's a negative stigma that is attached to being a game manager. But I, I just think he's, a, he's kind of like a game manager because as Wayne Cook pointed out on the Bruin Insider show yesterday, is, is that while his numbers, this is a quarterback in Huntley who does not turn the ball over. And we were talking about how Chip Kelly is saying, don't turn the ball over this week. Well, they don't do that in the land of Utah. In fact, Huntley, 11 touchdown passes, one interception. That is it. Now, he doesn't throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game like the new age offenses that we see nowadays because, I mean, they only throw it, as Wayne pointed out, like 18 to 25 times is a matchup. And it's all about the ground and pound. I mean, as Kyle Whittingham, head coach for Utah, said, we want to ram that ball down your throat and we want to demoralize you that way, which is not too different than what UCLA wants to do. And Chip Kelly has talked about in a utopian society, he would never throw the football. You know, he has a love affair with running. 
But when you look at the Utes and how much they're able to restrict opposing running attacks, it's going to be very fascinating to see because the Bruins are going to be, I believe, very stubborn about continuing to go to Josh Kelly. So what's going to give here? I mean, Josh, Joshua Kelly and UCLA in the rushing attack, they have led, since Pac-12 play, they have led the conference in rush yards. And Joshua Kelly has been playing at a level that it's probably the best we've seen in his career. So, you know, he's, he's one that can continuously churn out 100-yard games. Against Utah, that is not an easy thing to do. To put into perspective this Utah defense, against Cal, and I know Cal has a lot of injuries, but against Cal, they beat the Bears 35 to nothing. The Bears in this game, just emasculating experience for them. They only had on offense 83 total yards. And so while I look at Joshua Kelly as someone who's going to have to to move the chains here because I, I'm worried about ball time of possession. And that is something what Wayne Cook was talking about as well, was that if you're going to challenge Utah, they love to dominate time of possession. And while they do have a quarterback that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, their running game as well is very venerable. And you look at a guy like Zach Moss, best running back in Utah history. And he's one that can also, as Nick Cope pointed out on the Bruin Insider Show, he's not just a guy that's going to take handoffs in between the tackles. I mean, he's one that can catch passes out of the backfield. They can work swing routes to him and set up screens. And so it's going to come down to, as the guys were talking about on the show, what running attack is going to be compromised? Because that is going to be what both teams are going to try to establish in this game. Now, I found it very appropriate and a great assessment on Wayne Cook's part in that while everybody is fawning over Utah's offense, I don't think their new offensive coordinator, Andy Lugwood, gets enough credit. So he is in his second stint at Utah, but this is his first year in his second stint. And we pointed out just how atrocious Utah, their offensive numbers had been in the past, even though their running game has been solid, the passing game has been much better. But... What Ludwig has done has elevated Tyler Huntley's game to another level. However, there is this sentiment that while Huntley is playing great, the running game is good, the offensive line isn't giving up a lot of sacks, that if there's one area where UCLA has a talent advantage, it's in the receiving core. That is what Wayne Cook was thinking about when talking about where UCLA stands in front of Utah. Now, if we can get our guys involved in the receiving game and spread the wealth, I think that we can have an advantage there. Now, as far as Tyler Huntley, I, I said he was a glorified game manager. 
He's been a good quarterback. I mean, he's as Wayne has pointed out, he's made some clutch throws, but his numbers aren't going to just wow you because of how much they run the football. On UCLA's side, I, I, I want to see what Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to do as far as his ability to take the next step in his throwing game because I do believe, and this is not just me thinking this, I do believe that there are some holes in that Utah secondary that if DTR can find guys that... UCLA is going to be a great position because you know what they're going to do. They're going to stuff the run, or that's at least what Utah is going to try to do, and they're going to try to keep Dorian Thompson-Robinson in the pocket, which is not an easy thing to do even if you're Utah. But when you think about Dorian Thompson-Robinson and how much he has grown as a competent quarterback in the Pac-12 he has a lot of fervor about him right now and a sense of really that I have a lot to learn, but I'm also playing pretty good right now. And I think he knows, and I think we can all see, that of all the games he's played at UCLA, this one coming up is the most telling, the biggest, if you will, of his career. And it's against Utah. And I found the assessment fascinating from what Wayne Cook said. He was describing the difference in quarterbacks in Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Tyler Huntley. And he said that that Huntley's passing motion, his throwing motion, is not aesthetically pleasing. It's not something that is pretty to look at. And that needs to be developed more. Now, I think what Wayne was saying is that Tyler Huntley might be a more developed, more polished, more obviously more experienced quarterback. But if you're going on potential and you're going on straight athleticism, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the better quarterback. It's kind of like, let's say, you know, you're drafting players into the NBA. And are you going to go with the guy who you think is going to be this good and is showing signs of that in a couple years is going to be just off the chain and is already starting to show that his athleticism is not where you think it could be, but has the potential to get there. Or are you going to draft a guy that, you know, is a senior, maybe his level of improvement, he doesn't have as big of a leap or, or, or a growth margin as a guy who is more raw and so yeah Dorian Thompson Robinson is a, is a bit more raw but I think he, he's got a better arm uh, he I think he's a little bit more elusive but he doesn't have the experience and it's going to come down to, to his IQ out there because you know these defensive linemen for Utah a lot of these guys on both sides of the ball a lot of these guys could have easily been drafted in the NFL at the end of last season. I mean, this team, you know, we saw what they did at Utah. They they lost the Pac-12 championship, but, you know, they got playmakers all around. But a lot of those guys with Utah decided not 
to go to the NFL draft when they could have easily, you know, made some money and, and, and departed because they felt that if they all came back in the most part, that they could really accomplish something special, something historic, and something that Utah has never been able to accomplish. And UCLA is standing in their way on Saturday. They just announced on Tuesday, or yeah, yesterday, the new college football playoff seedings, and Utah is in the seventh spot. So they go from the eighth spot to the seventh spot this week. And, and Utah also had a bye. Hey, Manscaped is the number one men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. I know I've neglected to talk about UCLA basketball. They are 2-0. We're going to talk about them tomorrow. They've got wins against Long Beach State and UC Santa Barbara. And then on Friday, they will take on UNLV. But back to football. And as we wrap things up here and get you ready for Saturday's game, obviously kickoff is at 5 p.m. Pacific at Salt Lake City. And I'm not the first one to point this out. But, you know, there's a lot of people talking about how Utah deserves to be in the college football playoff. And their defense is at the top in the nation, right? I mean, it's right up there, and their offense is too. And... You know, it, it, they just haven't played a lot of challenging teams. Like, their non-conference was very soft. Very soft. I mean, Idaho State and Northern Illinois. I mean, come on. I mean, UCLA, if they were playing those kind of teams, their record would look a little bit different. But, and then Utah actually plays somebody, and, and it's not the Washington of yesteryear, but it is a Washington team led by Jacob Eason. And Washington shows that in the first 18 minutes of that game that they can run right down and score two touchdowns on this so-called suffocating defense of Utah. So it wasn't until the second half when Utah's defense woke up. But anyway, back to what to expect tomorrow. Basketball, more Football will react to some of the comments made by the guys at practice as they get ready for the game against Utah. So again, I'm here, I am back, and we will talk to you tomorrow.